Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about this AI wave, people. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the funniest part in the green room was trying to figure out what to call this episode. Yeah, right. So it was sort of like, is it the wild, wild west? Is it a gold rush? Like, yeah, what is it? And it seems to me it's, uh, to both of us, that it's more like a wave. It's like this thing you can see on the horizon and it's like are you going to paddle out and ride it or just stay on the beach nice and comfy so yeah yeah i don't think of it like the gold rush where i mean in some ways they do because there's riches to be made but it's it doesn't feel like something where people just sink their life savings and lose everything and die old broken alone (laughs) right (laughs) yeah it doesn't seem like that no right so so you know we did an episode about chat gpt just like 10 episodes ago or so um but it's it keeps coming up i keep using it every day and i keep having conversations about it with with like sort of normal non-technical people who who haven't haven't probably don't have you know they got like normal jobs and they probably don't have a real reason to ex certainly as big a reason as perhaps someone like me would to to investigate it so the only thing they know about it are the sound bites from the media like it's going to take jobs and it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to uh, take over the world or it's going to make our kids stupid because they're all going to cheat on their tests or cheat on the reports like all of the all the bad things you know it hallucinates it comes back with authoritative lies mm-hmm. you know all and it's not that i'm not saying that any of that stuff is true or not true but it's very one-sided and for people who deal in ideas for a living which probably means a lot of speaking and writing it's unprecedentedly powerful tool that i i feel like people who listen to the show should be experimenting with at least because there's some it's just incredible capability it's amazing well it's because we can and it's you know as as a as a i don't know if i'm a normo i would say i'm a non-technical person but I can experiment with this, right? I play with this daily for different things because I want to see what it can do. Mm-hmm. And there is no barrier, right? I don't have to be a tech bro to figure this out. We're not talking about blockchain where you have to figure all these little pieces out. This is achingly simple mm-hmm. for people right. to experiment with. And we are the front, I won't say we're the bleeding edge, but we certainly are the front edge of professions that want to try this out and see what it can do. Yeah. And and so we were talking before the show about Jeffrey Moore's book, Crossing the Chasm. And, and you know, when, when I say normos in this context, I, I mean, people who don't have an online business, they don't write books. They're, you know, they're like, I don't know, a teacher or whatever, it, who probably is like really hates the idea because of, you know, all of the all of the true things that students can do with it, let's say. Uh, but in, in Jeffrey Moore's book, which if you haven't read, it's great. Um, Crossing the Chasm, he identifies five different types of markets that a, a technology would go through. And there's the early market stuff where you've got us, you know, it's like a, a normal distribution curve, kind of like the camel's hump. And the beginning, you've got like a very small number of innovators who love trying new things. They, they are looking, they're like neophiles. They just love new stuff. They want to play with all the new things. Developers fall into this category very often because they just love, love 
playing with new tools and stuff. <laughs> so a lot of developers fall into this category. And then after the innovators, there's the, the sort of early adopters where the feature set of the thing is starting to, the, of the tool, whatever it is, is starting to get to MVP status where the innovators will put up with bugs. They'll put up with command line. They'll put up with no interface and just to be like the, the, the cool kids, like the ones that are aware of this thing, the ones that like the people at the party who are talking about the thing. Uh, so then, then the early adopters, it's like, it's, it is basically usable in an extremely small domain or like a small, uh, limited capability feature set. And then there's the chasm, which is the, the titular chasm where the technology needs to, needs to jump this gap from the sort of minimum feature set of the early adopters into it, uh, a whole product solution, like a bigger covers more use cases, more comprehensive solution. And then you'll get early majority people, like tons of early majority, because you're getting into the mainstream mm-hmm. side of the, right. of the camel hump. And you'll get a whole bunch of people in the early majority that are like, wow, this is, you know, they, they've got a, a, a higher, a, sorry, a lower risk tolerance than the early adopters of the innovators. They want it to work. They want it, These are the Apple people. They want it to just work. Mm-hmm. These are the people that bought the first iPhone, like waited in line to buy the first iPhone. And it's like, Guilty. oh, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so early majority, boom. And then there's the late majority, which is a comparable size chunk of the pie where it's like, oh, you know, oh, everybody's got an iPhone. I notice everybody in the Starbucks has an iPhone and I'm still rocking a Nokia candy bar. So, you know, maybe I should really take a look at this. And then you get at the end, the tail end, you get this chunk of laggards who are explicitly not interested. Like, nope, I'm going to stay with my flip phone or whatever it is. And you, anyway, so for the for mobile, I was on the this ride from the very beginning Pretty, pretty close to the very beginning. I would say, I would count people who bought iPhone 1 almost as early adopters because that thing didn't do much. It was revolutionary, but it didn't even have cut and paste. Uh, you couldn't send pictures over email. I mean, there was like, it was pretty limited, but it was still amazing. And then, you know, and then we got to the sort of whole product solution phase of the early majority, late majority. That was around 2010 or so. And like, every enterprise was like, we need to have a mobile strategy. And then that was like my whole business for a bunch of years. And then the laggards was sort of at the end of the wave when I was like, where everybody who was going to adopt an iPhone strategy or an iPhone uh, plan or mobile plan was, they're just like, nope, we, we purposely skipped this. And so I went through that whole phase with that. And this wave that we see on the horizon is, is, getting close and it is very much in the innovator and early adopters phase and lots of really smart people are iterating like crazy on this stuff like like apps that i'm using are announcing new features on a weekly basis if not faster and improvements to this that and the other and this stuff is because they're they're getting early adopters to test it and give feedback and then that makes the thing better and like what's what features would you anyway it's it is like the thing that my goal for the, or our goal for the, our goal for the episode is for you, the dear listener, to try it if you haven't, if you're against the whole idea of the thing. I, to me, that feels like succumbing to the headlines because it's, it's like a super powerful tool for it's people like It's a form us. of resistance. And I think when we do these kinds of businesses, it's dangerous to be resistant to new ideas. Doesn't mean you're going to embrace them ever. But just mm-hmm. being flat out resistant usually is not a great long-term strategy for your business. Right. Yeah. This is worth experimenting with. 
And so we could tell, we could go into maybe, I don't think we talked about this last time, and certainly it's changed in the, the whatever, 10 weeks that we've been talking, that we talked about it since we talked about it last. But I went to make a list of, um, the other day for a, a possible uh, email broadcast, make a list of the the AI, air quotes, or machine learning types of things that I'm using. And and here's the thing that was really eye-opening to me is like, I thought of the obvious use cases like, you know, podcast show notes that we use to, um, to create show notes. Uh, Riverside now automatically has transcriptions. Descript we use for a couple of things that's, it's all machine learning type stuff, you know, like automatically remove ums and ahs from the transcript and uh, shorten the space between, you, know, you can, you can have it re- say something in your voice we haven't used that but it it can do it i and love that idea it's wild right give it a script and it just sounds like you saying it seth godin did an episode of akimbo where he he typed in questions into chat gpt he got the answers in text and then he fed all of that into uh, i forget the name of the product but it's by 11 labs and and they trained a an ai on his voice and I, I, I'm spoiling it because because he doesn't reveal that at the beginning of the episode. You get to the end of the episode and he says, oh, by the way, I didn't say any of that that you just listened to for 25 minutes. And it was completely convincing. I had no idea that it wasn't him reading it. It was shocking. Well, so yeah, like, that's the scary thing. Right? Yeah, well, it depends, right? I mean, yes, there's some, there's, I don't, I don't want to talk about the, the let's leave it to the press to talk about all this scary stuff and deep fakes and, and all of that. But the power of that for someone who is trying to lead a revolution or spread a big idea or lead a mission, especially a soloist, it's yeah. jaw-dropping. The ultimate leverage. Right. It is insane. You know, is it perfect well, right now? No, but it makes a great first draft. Well, and I, I think, you know, there's a, a group of folks in, in my world who uh, are really nervous about this. And, and there's some content writers who are scared right? They're like, oh, how is this going to work? And it's going to take away work from me. I'm going to have downward pressure on my fees, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I keep coming back to, we were talking about this before we hit record, is that this is about a first draft. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan, you have a good story about that. Um, <laughs> this is about having a first draft. And if you can use, even as a writer, if you can use AI to get a first draft, your client doesn't care where it came from. What they care about is that it works for their brand, for example, or their campaign or whatever they're hiring you to do. Like chat GPT or any AI is not going to be perfect. It is at least not anytime soon. It's not going to come out with exactly the right voice that sounds like your client or sounds like you, but it can get you a really good first draft and save you a ton of time. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the high end of that food chain, your client doesn't care how you get it. What they care is that you get it. They care about the outcome. And so, right. you know, as long as you're not billing by the hour, exactly. you, you, this could be something that saves you time and actually makes you more money. Right. So check this out. This is, this is, this is going to sound weird, but it's like, give it a second, let it sink in. You could, in theory, let's say that it takes, you know, half of your time to do first drafts and you could increase your productivity by like say double and you could take on twice as many clients 
working the same amount of time as you currently work, and you say, but how could I attract twice as many clients? Well, you could you could cut your prices by 75% and come out ahead in terms of working less and making more, as long as you're not billing by the hour. So right. it's like, it can it, in theory, and if you set up some tooling to like make it some more, a little bit more streamlined for your particular situation, you it, theoretically, you can increase your productivity to a point where you could lower your price below what your manual competitors are charging and still be increasing your profits. Yes. Well, yeah. and plus with content writing, what a lot of people do is that they leverage it with other people. And what I hear a lot of people say is, yeah, I have some contractors I use, but really all they can get me is a good first draft. Well, guess mm. what? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, here's the funny thing is this is possibly unique to me because I'm sort of really not interested in having employees or contractors of any kind. Uh, the stuff I'm using it for is not taking a job away from anyone. Not that it won't do that, but it, it's not taking a job from any away from anyone because I just wouldn't have done this stuff before. So now I'm doing things that I wouldn't have done before because they're so cheap and quick and easy to do that I might as well, right? So it, it's kind mm. of like, it's kind of like I have a an employee. It's kind of like I have a first drafter, like intern type of employee who understands my stuff and and can do a good first pass. Like a first pass that I'm like, well, that's probably something I would have written. It needs to be fixed, but yeah. I avoided that like struggle of, of organizing it. And well, and and that's there's an intellectual cost to doing that, right? When you create that first draft, whatever it is. There is an intellectual price that you pay for doing that. It means that you weren't able to do something else. It means that maybe your your brain cells got tired at that kind of work. And so you you could only do so much of that in a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So so here's a here's a crazy story that I know wasn't in the last episode because it just happened to me. But the uh, there's there's a I don't know how much I can talk about this because they they or should talk about it. Because I had I had a meeting with the CTO of a company who wanted me to sign an NDA. I didn't sign it yet, but I know they don't want people like talking about their pricing and stuff like that. So I'm just going to keep it a little bit high level. But the idea is, and this was a this was publicly announced. It was like there's a a podcasting platform that exists that is good, and they are they have announced that they are creating a thing that will turn your not just an episode but will look at your entire podcast or like ingest all the audio for your entire podcast and turn it into the first draft for a 250 260 page book and the the phase that they're at is that they're looking for kind of like alpha and beta testers to play with it so you know but but the the price currently is so low that you'd be nuts not to try if you had a podcast mm -hmm. with a you know even 50 episodes and you write books like you might as well try it <laughs> it's like right it's it's very interesting but this is but super early days right like there's no interface it needs to be manually done by someone air quotes manually done like the, the different algorithms have to be driven one after the other manually and tuned manually at first because they're still figuring it out but we're in the innovation stage like this is this is the kind of thing innovators would be interested in where they want to kind of be first to the party. They want to understand the capabilities, what it's good at, what it's not good at. For, you know, like uh, not not hearing from someone like us what it's good at or what it might how it might be useful for you, the listener. It's like you play with it and find out. There, and there's just like oh, but the other thing I was going to say before that I never got around to is that there, ultimately there's no avoiding this. If you use software, it's going to be in everything. 
So it's like, it's already integrated directly into Illustrator, like the Stable Diffusion stuff. I don't know if it's specifically that model, but they, Adobe bought somebody, some startup, and they're integrating it directly into Illustrator. Um, the, the, I mean, there's been AI in Gmail forever with the smart replies. It's, it's going to be in all of the tools you already use. So in theory, you could wait, but it's going to be there. It's in, it's built into uh, Squarespace. It's built into, I think, HubSpot and WordPress. I don't know if it's in WordPress yet. There's probably a GPT plugin, but this stuff isn't, it's going to be everywhere. It's built into um, Copilot's built into, I think, VS Code, whatever that, whatever the IDE is. So I feel like, you know, I, I recognize I'm a tech guy and, and, and a solo died in the wool soloist. So perhaps for me, like my excitement level is much higher than that would be for other people. But <laughs> I don't know how you don't, I don't know how you don't experiment with this. Well, yeah, I mean, I just keep coming back to this is excellent for first drafts of pretty much anything. I mean, I've started using it for um, the tweets that I do from my weekly blog post. Now, it's only a first draft. It It's way too salesy for me, the first, mm -hmm. what they give me, but it gives yeah. me something. And it's so much easier to just go, oh, well, take out the salesy part, and focus on the meat. And mm -hmm. it also will come up with hashtags that I haven't thought of. And yeah. I certainly wasn't going to spend the time trying to go find. So, yeah, it's just so it just feels so natural now to just use it. So I use it every day. And as a, again, as a non-tech person, but I guess I'm not a normo in your definition. I, I want to figure out how to use this because it will help in my practice. Not and I don't mean. Um, in the business, it will absolutely and is helping in the business. But in my practice, in terms of how I deal with clients, if I can get them to something that is going to cut the amount of time they spend on someone and increase their profits, uh, hello, <laughs> I want that at the top of my list for my clients. Right. Yeah. Because there's a speed factor here too, where it would get them get them what they want faster. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's it's ignore this at our peril. And what feels different to me about some of the other waves that we've had is that you don't have to be a tech genius to participate on the front end. I mean, I am living proof of that. Now, hmm. am I creating products with that? No. I mean, I'm not really interested in that. But lots of people are, and they're creating them for people like us mm -hmm. who are ready yeah. to experiment and, and want to give some of these things a, a try. Yeah. Yeah. And another, another quick story. So, uh, Louis Grenier, who runs the everyone hates marketers podcast, mm. he, he just launched a thing where you, again, this is like innovators and early adopters, right? He created a, it's, some, it's like a, it's like a Google spreadsheet that you buy and you, you get a copy of his Google spreadsheet I might be, you know, I, I might be describing it a little bit inaccurately, but it's, that's basically how it looks in the videos. And I bought it, but I haven't opened it up yet. But you, you have this spreadsheet and you paste in something like, like Rochelle, you could go to Amazon and paste in the book reviews for your book, or I could, or one of us could go to a really popular book, like, um, I don't know, Atomic Habits or something. And you can copy out the reviews the book reviews and like paste them into this spreadsheet and it, it it has like a macro that goes through and pulls out and summarizes the top say top 10 sentiments that you that that are reflected in those so like you don't have to read them all you don't have to read it's mm -hmm. probably got forty thousand comments 
So you could just go through, paste that in, and then it's going to be like, oh, like the here are the, the three um, most valuable things that people who read the book have commented on. Like these are the three most valuable things that they got out of the book. These are the three main deficiencies of the book. These are the three biggest complaints. And with that information, you could decide to write a whole new book or, or like a, a, or he could or someone else could write a sort of part two for Atomic Habits or whatever. And the amount of time, like you just wouldn't do that otherwise. It's it's a thing. You could also do that with a competitor's book and say, okay, here are the things that are missing. So here's what the marketplace is looking for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, right. If you know that the readers of that book are you're basically your same audience, then you can get mm -hmm. a whole bunch of intelligence very quickly for like 49 bucks. Right. Insane. Yeah. There's another one that crossed my radar that is, it, it again, it's like all of these things start out a little bit buggy because people are moving so quickly. So you have to have a little bit of patience with them. And that was certainly true from my experience with this one, but it's called Chat CSV, which I think is <laughs> the most hilarious name ever. And, and the idea is, it's like an ask me anything for your spreadsheets. So, you know, you, you upload a spreadsheet. So I took, uh, I took a couple of months worth of purchase data from Moon Clerk, right? And mm -hmm. it's got, you know, a bunch of columns, but it's, it's mostly all stuff you'd expect. It's like how much the, the revenue for the purchase was, like what was the price that was paid? What was the thing that was bought? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just upload the spreadsheet and I've got this, it's like, okay, upload your spreadsheet, you do. And then it, you've got this chat interface and I could say, um, create a pie chart of, of, uh, of the top 10 products by form name, which is the name by product name, basically. Mm -hmm. and it just makes one it's like here you go oh my god yeah and it's like and then you can just ask it stuff you're like oh group it by this and tell me what, what's the profitability percentage across all the different products if you know costs are the same or whatever oh god and you're just i, I just I, i'm sorry i can't get over this i i have this is the first i've heard of this i just think of every consultant who sat there in the wee hours with data trying to make making sure pivot tables <laughs> Yeah, you've got it right and you've rechecked it and yes, it works. And and even analysts inside big organizations, um, I'm thinking of some of the accounting analysts I used when I ran a, a Fortune 500 business and they had to follow all these protocols from corporate, but they were the, those were the ones sitting there in the wee hours trying to figure it out before they had an earnings call. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man. And yeah, you want to check it, but... Of course. I mean, I could just see like, yeah, this is right. You know, because there's only a month or two worth of data. And, I, you know, I, I already knew the numbers. So and, and it's here's here's a really cool thing about this one. A lot of people talk about it's been dubbed hallucinations like AIs can hallucinate. Like, could we personify it anymore? But anyway, um, the idea that it with a very authoritative tone, it will come back with complete BS. And you certainly wouldn't want that in something like, you know, an analyst working with spreadsheets. You definitely can't have that. So here's what it does with this particular one you you upload the thing you ask it a question and it it lays out what it's air quotes thinking so it's like okay it kind of like for a developer will understand this it basically comments it writes the comments first of what it's going to do and then it actually shows you the code that it's going to execute and then it executes the code and gives you the result so it gives you all the information you mm -hmm. need to check the work right right in okay. front of you and you're like yeah that is okay. how i would do it but it takes like five seconds and it would take you like 30 minutes well it'd it's, take me like 30 days <laughs> yeah. 
if I had to write code, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it really is mind boggling what, what can be done. And even if you're not the one sitting there creating these new products, you can certainly use them in right. how you work and how you streamline, even if it's just your back office, you can streamline that. Exactly. I just think the, the potential for this is amazing. And why not experiment now? I mean, I feel like we're starting to sound like a broken record, but first drafts, experimenting, like anytime you think about something, it's like, ooh, is there a way I could use AI to make this faster, easier, uh, more reliable? Right. Yeah. So I just, here's, here's a, an approach. Here's an exercise, dear listener. So if you, here's something I did and, and if it, it, perhaps you could do the same. So I went, I have like uh, every other week I do kind of like an office hours call called Ditcherville Live with my coaching community. And they, I have a, there's like this call, it's usually an hour, hour and a half. And I've got a, a checklist or an SOP that I use to run it every other week. Cause it's like every other week. So that's enough time for me to kind of forget what I did last time. So finally one day I wrote it down and we've talked about SOPs before and how useful they are. Cause you can just execute and not be being creative every single time you're like setting up the call. And I had a, I, the, the place where I did it was Crowdcast and they had released a huge new update that I was not, uh, that I don't like and wasn't, didn't serve my use case. So I was like, well, if I, if I have to switch to this new V2 of Crowdcast, I'm going to look around and perhaps switch to something else completely. And like, what else am I already paying for? I'm already paying for Zoom. So let me look at all these different things. So basically I was already in the mode where I was like, I'm going to update this SOP because I'm probably going to switch off Crowdcast. And so I'm looking at it and now I'm like, there's like 170 steps on it or something like that. So I'm like, it's a lot. It, there's some parts that are definitely really annoying. And so with, with some experimentation under my belt, without the experimentation, I wouldn't have been able to do this. But with the experimentation under my belt, I went through the process. And at every point, I was like, how can I optimize this with either ChatGPT or MidJourney or one of the image creation things or Descript or um, podcast show notes or whatever? Uh, what can I do? And I collapsed, I removed like 70 steps and not only <laughs> that, but the 70 steps that I removed all, some of them were the most annoying things. And it's just, it's so much better. It's yeah. so much better. And it's better than first draft because if you can get, I mean, as you get better at, at Chappie T specifically, you can give it a, you can seed the prompt with examples of how you want the output to look. So I don't know if this is common knowledge, but it's, it's, you can really get it to give you a, for example, what would, it's like, here's, here's a list of 10 questions, summarize each in fewer than 10 words, include, uh, change all of the quotes, any, any apostrophes or, uh, straight quotes or apostrophes, change them to curly quotes, uh, separate them with, a, a, a horizontal rule, like an HR tag. And you just, I just would keep loading steps from my SOP into the prompt and then run it. And it's like, done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so yeah, great. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're a more sophisticated user than the average bear, but all of those things are still possible. You can, I mean, that's part of why we're encouraging you to try this first draft of things. Because it, for example, when I said it gave me tweets that were too salesy, I can tell it, give me something that's not promotional, right? Give yeah. me this. 
give me it in, as you said, X number of words or so many sentences I've done. I want five paragraphs on this. I want two sentences on that. And, you know, and you can just keep asking it, keep iterating till right. you get what you want. And it's right. still and then, faster. Yeah. And once you've figured out how to ask it the way to produce results, it's very reliable if you just ask it that way the first time. You can yeah. put put in like three, par- like a ton of, of instructions in the prompt. It's not just like, you know, don't ask. It's not, when I first started using it, I was using it like Google. Like, how do I do this or whatever? Or what what mm. is what is the definition of blah? That's like a, that's not where it shines. In fact, that's where it doesn't shine. That's where it'll give you like wrong answers. So it's, it's much cooler if you give it like, like your example, I I had a similar experience where I was like, summarize these 10 questions and the summaries were longer than the, almost longer than the questions. And I was like, oh, do it again, but in like a maximum of 10 words or so. I said, ideally keep it to 10 words, but you don't have to. And it doesn't. And, yeah. or, or like the salesy thing. There's another one where, um, just to test, I was like, uh, I was like, composed a composed a draft email message to a client that I want to fire, and and you know, in in the tone of like Jeff Bezos or something like that, and then it sort of does it, and then I'm like, okay, do it again, but like with a more humane word choice, <laughs> and and totally does it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's. <laughs> I, I think it's you not- drop those in our Slack in our slack space i remember Probably. seeing those right yeah, they were and, fun. And, and stuff like that is the kind of stuff where you're like it, it's not right or like it's not one of these things like how to replace a toilet and then it, it gives you a completely erroneous reply it's giving you you asked it a question where you personally can judge the correctness of the reply so it's it's so it, it sidesteps a lot of the problems that you'll see in headlines like oh it, you know it, it just gives you bad information back or whatever Cause you're like, no, this is good. <laughs> Cause you're the, you're the arbiter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not, you're not, you're not Googling. At first I used to say like, it feels like you're Googling for stuff and it creates the article on the fly, but it's way more, it, that is a, a very naive first uh, impression. Yeah. I, I tried that early on. I was doing um, something for a client and I was trying to find a, a, a watering hole for something. And I'd been, you know, all over Google and, I, I had some, but I didn't have the ones I wanted. I thought, you know, what? I'm just going to try ChatGPT. Maybe there's something I haven't thought of. And it didn't really give me anything I hadn't already found because it was a Google style question. And so I right. manipulated the question like a bunch of different ways and didn't didn't get anything better. So it doesn't work for everything, but a lot of times it's worth a try because mm-hmm. if it finds something for you, it's going to cut a lot of time had it worked as a google search it could have saved me three or four hours at least mm. yeah i mean that's one of the, that this is one of those things the experimentation will lead you to because like it doesn't have access to the live internet so it can't really do anything super current but anything that would benefit from it's it's kind of cool though because it keeps you in evergreen territory yeah. like the, the kind of stuff that is sort of tried and true kind of things mm-hmm. anyway I, I do feel like we're just beating a drum at this point, but yeah, we are. There are first draft. so <laughs> yes, first draft. So like, consider it for first drafts of everything from a tough. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but like, if you have a, a sort of emotionally sensitive thing to do, like it, it's a great place for first drafts for that stuff. It, it's a it's really good for stuff that you can confirm is correct. Like you know it's right because it did. You know 
it did what you asked it to because this is because yeah this is good and just plan on not i have done a couple of things where i've sort of um without a without a really strong quality assurance pass i created like for example i had it i had there's this thing called munch i think it's getmunch.com where you give it a video like a long video and it'll break it into a bunch of short videos for like you know google whatever they're called google shorts or like instagram reels or whatever or tiktok and and at first pass it looked really good i was like oh my god it like you know but then but i didn't go but it made like 40 of them and i didn't watch them all and so i uploaded them and you know and there's some that are just not good like i should have gone through and been like you still need to at this point you still need to go through and like check the yeah. work but this that's is not a way set it easier get it thing right but it's way easier than doing it manually and it's way cheaper than paying someone two thousand bucks a month or whatever to take every podcast episode or every video that you do mm-hmm. and and do this so anyway it's <laughs> it's worth i could talk about it all day obviously but it's like it's definitely worth experimenting with and finding where you can create leverage it's simple as that like it again and i almost guarantee you that you will find a way to do it that is jaw-dropping and i think just to just to kind of round this out too i want to go back to the people who are thinking oh this is going to change my world forever and when i say my world i mean your, your business right especially if you're doing a lot of writing use this as an opportunity to go upstream right if you don't if you already have the kinds of clients that are paying you well above sort of standard uh writing rates then you're going to be fine because you're you're niching into an audience you are creating something that's high value that's transformational for their audience you're fine if you're not there yet i would say yeah i would be concerned about it so use it to move up the food chain use right. it to make your offerings better a more transformational and more expensive. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I it's it's please give it a try. Don't believe the don't believe the negative hype. I mean not that it's not true, but Yeah, there's some can, truth in there. Yeah, you, you don't, can Don't don't let that it. color everything. Right. All right. Well, I'll shut up. Uh I'm sure the point has been made at this point. I'll <laughs> shut up too. Else? Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. I think we did it. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.